somewhat easy to see that the theme of the readings today is humility. The first reading starts off with hearing about, you know, conduct yourselves with humility. The greater you are, the more you have to humble yourself so that you can find favor with God. And then Jesus, using this parable in the gospel, speaks about how whoever humbles himself will be exalted, but the one who exalts himself will be humbled. Humility, I think, is one of those things that in some sense we all know that we need. We know that we need to be more humble. But in another sense, it just kind of seems kind of backwards. When we think humility, we think weakness. We think someone who's kind of shy, someone who's timid, kind of tepid. Maybe we think of humiliation, being humiliated. And our embarrassments are, or we're embarrassed because our weaknesses and our imperfections are kind of brought up to the light in whatever the situation is. Why would Jesus invite us to a life of humility? Why, more than that, would he actually go through the, the greatest humiliation of dying a death on the cross? What's he trying to show us in that? I want to kind of walk through this parable that Jesus uh, speaks about in the gospel today. Imagine, just put yourself in the place of that man who comes into the wedding banquet. What is it that makes you go to that place of highest honor? Or what is it that, you know, stops you from going to take the lowest place? I think for a lot of people, it's in the reality of our lives, there's fears that are present. Fears that we're not enough, fears that we're not good enough, fears that we're not going to be fulfilled. Whatever that fear is, there's usually some kind of fear that's present. And for me, like whenever I try to do something or try to succeed or accomplish a task, doing it more so maybe to combat that fear that I'm not good enough, trying to prove to myself that I am good enough or strong enough or smart enough or whatever it is, fill in the blank. You're trying, we're trying to be X enough, whatever it is. So maybe that man in the banquet was struggling with this idea of he had, he had these fears, these insecurities, and so he wanted maybe to prove himself that he was important enough. So he said, I'm going to go and take that place. He was acting out of a fear. Fear, I think, is something that's present in all of our lives, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Fear can motivate us to act and to act, you know, in ways that maybe we wouldn't have before. But to what end? What happens when fear becomes the primary motivating factor of my life? What happens when fear becomes the driving force of, of, of how I decide what I'm going to do or not do? This past Friday, with some of the college students, we, we had a movie night, we watched Aladdin. And something that the genie said at the beginning of the movie kind of stuck out to me. He's talking about the wishes, and um, he's explaining through the whole three wishes thing, and he says that in the thousands of years that he's seen people make wishes, he says, it's never been enough. People have never been satisfied by, by the wishes. They always want more. That's why they put the limit at three, because if you could, you, you'd keep wanting more and more and more. And you see it really clearly in the example of Jafar, who's the, the villain. Towards the end of the movie, he steals the lamp, and he gets his three wishes. And his first wish is that he, wants, he, he wishes to be made sultan, like the king of the city where they're at, to be the most powerful person in that city. When that's challenged, though, you can tell that he's living out of this fear, out of this insecurity, and so he wants more. So his second wish, he wants to be the most powerful sorcerer in the world. But even that, that gets challenged, and it's not enough, and so he wants more. So he wishes to be the most powerful being that's ever created. And it's living out of that fear, this wanting more and more and more that, that binds him. It holds him bound. That ends up being his downfall at the end of the movie. He's, he's bound by, by this need for more and more and more. 
Because of that fear, there's never any peace. We're never at rest. The Lord doesn't desire us to live in fear. He doesn't desire us to live in this insecurity. He desires to give us peace. He wants us to live the fulfillment that we're all deeply longing for. He wants us to live a life of freedom. We're not bound by all these things. He wants us to live in the security that we are enough and that his love for us is unconditional, that we can't do anything to earn it. We don't have to do anything to earn it because it's already there. Nothing we can do can ever lose that or change that. That's exactly why humility is so important. We have to be clear, though, about what we're talking about when we say humility. Because it's not just this, this idea of someone who's shy and kind of timid. It's not this, uh, this kind of excusing our own weakness or just kind of living a life of weakness or of mediocrity or complacency. Because, you know, we can never be any better than that. And it's also not just kind of someone who, like the person who dodges every compliment that comes to them. You know, you did a good job at this. Well, no, I didn't, because here's X, Y, and Z about why I didn't do a good job of this thing, about why I'm not good enough. What humility is, is just seeing the truth of reality. The truth of who we are before God, and the truth of who God is living and acting in our own lives. And both parts of that are are essential for a true understanding of what the Lord's inviting us to in humility. This truth about who we are. Who are we before the Lord? We're broken, fallen creatures. And because we have these distorted desires, more often than not, we do things that we don't actually want to do. We don't do the things that we know we actually ought to do and that the Lord is inviting us to do. And a lot of times it's because we're acting out of this fear that, 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 that reality is true. And it kind of is, in a sense. We are broken, we're fallen creatures. And humility makes no sense if we stop there. If we just focus on that. Humility makes absolutely no sense if we don't have this understanding of, of who God is, living and acting in our own life, like the psalm that we heard in Mass today so beautifully said. He's the father of the fatherless, a defender of the widow, God gives a home to the forsaken. He leads forth prisoners into prosperity. You restored the land when it languished. And in your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. Unless we're firmly convinced of this truth of who God is in our life, then humility isn't going to make any sense. Because yes, we are weak. We are broken. We are imperfect. And in ourselves, we're never going to find fulfillment. We won't ever be able to fulfill ourselves. But we have a God who provides for every single one of our needs at every moment and who desires more than anything to give us the fulfillment that we're all deeply longing for, which is ultimately found in that relationship with Him. If we want to stop living a life that's motivated by fear, if we want to grow in this true humility that casts out all the fear, we have to dive completely as deeply as we can, into this mystery of who God is. Not focusing on ourselves, not trying to combat the fear, not trying to kind of give the reasons as to why these things are true or aren't true, but focusing on Him who desires more than anything to fulfill us. And our tendency when we hear these kind of things, is just kind of maybe take it kind of haphazardly or say, yeah, whatever, yeah, but, yeah, but that's true if X, Y, or Z. And the beautiful thing is that this is one of those instances, kind of like a kid, you tell them something, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. 
this is true. That God is who he says he is in your life and wants to reveal that to you in the concrete reality of your own life, period. No buts. That's it. It doesn't make it you know, easy. It doesn't make it by any stretch of the imagination living this Christian life and really believing that. It doesn't take the difficult work of just striving to live heroic virtue as following the, the invitations of the Lord. It doesn't make it easy to, to bring our difficulties and our struggles and our setbacks to the Lord in our own relationship with Him through our prayer, of coming to receive His mercy when we fail or when we fall through the sacraments. But what it does do, even though it doesn't make it easy, it, just ch- it changes the nature of the game. Because we're not working, a, you know, like working to prove ourselves to God or almost in a sense working against God, but rather He's walking that journey with us. Because the story of the man at the banquet, the story of, of the reality of humility, is the story of Jesus. It's the story of God who took the lowest place to become man. And that God-man who took the lowest place of dying the death of a criminal, sacrificing himself for our sake, so that as we take that, that journey of taking the lowest seat, that journey of humility in our own life, he walks it with us. And we're reminded of that every single time we come to Mass because that God-man, that Savior of the world, again takes the lowest place by taking the humble form of a piece of bread. So said that bread doesn't, is no longer bread, but it becomes the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Not just a symbol, but in reality. And he wants to become so close to us that he wants to become one with us as we receive him in communion. He couldn't get closer to us if he tried. He literally desires to become one with us, to show us that in this journey of, our, of humility, this journey of ourselves taking the lowest place, he's walking with us every step of the way in that. So we pray for that grace of humility, to see not only the truth of ourselves, of who we are before the Lord, but the truth of the Lord who doesn't hold anything back in coming to take that lowest place in our lives. The Lord who right here, right now, in a few minutes, will enter into this place and become one with us in this great mystery and this great gift of the Eucharist. May that grace of humility be planted in our hearts, the seed of humility, may it bear fruit in our lives. Amen.